Thank you for coming to the podcast. We are Top Turtle MMA Podcast. This is episode 41. I am David Tremonti. He is the flexible one, Daniel Gumby Vreeland. He is the co-editor of MMA-Manifesto.com, our mothership. You can head on over to the website, click on the podcast tab, check out our archives. We're 41 episodes deep now, and we, of course, are available on MMAPodcast.com, TuneIn, Stitcher, SoundCloud, iTunes, and I'm happy to announce, finally available on Google play am i right in saying that we're getting all over the place we are omnipresent you can also get us on facebook by looking at top turtle mma on facebook clicking the like button you can get our picks and parlays in your news feed as well as the show and we of course are top turtle mma at twitter and you can email the show top turtle mma at gmail.com and none of this would be possible without our awesome sponsor the best mouth guard on the market what's more important than protecting your chompers when you're in a high impact sport or activity such as mma or brazilian jiu jitsu you want to protect your teeth you want to protect that smile because i'll tell you something right now folks dental work can be costly it can be costly and you know what else can be costly your memory so you can get concussion protection as well by getting yourself a max guard on sisuguard.com or getting any of their other mouth guard products the stuff there is just awesome so in summation, Sisu Mouthguard, the best mouthguard on the market with their newly debuting next-gen mouthguard, brings you Top Turtle MMA Podcast, episode 41. Welcome to the show. I am David Tremonti. He is Daniel Gumby Vreeland, and this is the fastest fight news on the planet. You can come here and get all your MMA news in 15 minutes or less. You're going to like the way we podcast. I guarantee it. So, Gumby, let's get right into the things people care about, and that is the MMA news of the day. And no news is bigger than GSP saying him and his lawyer have terminated his UFC contract. He has declared himself a free agent. Your thoughts? Uh, first of all, I'm not sure that you can just do that. And I, I know he kept saying that, like, I'll let the lawyer do the talking. But this feels eerily familiar to when Rampage declared himself a free agent from Bellator. Uh, he says the lawyer's got something. The lawyer points out some minute detail. And a year later in court, we have a Rampage who hasn't fought. He winds up fighting once for a new promotion and winds up back in Bellator. Yeah, I know what you're saying. Everything about this from Dana White saying that GSP doesn't want to fight anymore, which we know is just promoter speak for we're publicly negotiating, down to GSP uh, saying he's now a free agent and declaring himself. It all just feels like a huge game of cat and mouse promoter versus star Yeah, yeah. I was going to ask you, do you think that this is a huge money thing? Because he could fight under his old contract like that, but I'm guessing the money's better now than during his old contract because of the, the new ownership. Uh, well, what do you mean by the money's better? I, I, I think the money is probably better for a big-name headliner after the new ownership than it was when GSP got out of the game. Well, I think uh, his problem, though, was that he was an Under Armour-sponsored athlete and was making a lot of money from Under Armour, and that, of course, is not going to be on the table if he has to wear Reebok. And from what I've heard, and you don't, you don't know what's real and what's not, they were not accounting for his loss of Under Armour, and that was kind of a sticking point. Yeah, yeah and, and I'm sure that that's it, too, so that that's a little bit of the money thing. But I bet you it's far larger than 
whatever Under Armour is paying him. I mean, Under Armour could have been paying him an exorbitant amount, but I do believe that it probably has more to do with not being treated like a real headliner nowadays. Well, and he went on the MMA Hour with Ariel Hawani and outlined a couple of different things. For one, he felt like he wasn't getting a lot of respect with Dana White saying he doesn't want to fight anymore, and then he had a great shot at Dana White saying, I'm a fighter. Dana White's not a fighter. He has no idea what about, what desire to fighting is. And then he also said that he actually uh, had a very low offer. It was lower than what Forbes reported the offer to be. Hmm. That he all he was trying to do was just fight. Now, this is his side of the story, obviously. Yeah, and we'll, we'll get Dana and the gang soon, I'm sure. But no comment from the UFC as of taping right now. Yeah, and they probably won't for a while, too, until they can figure out what the lawyer's going to say. It just makes sense for them to keep their mouth shut. Now, it should be noted uh, that... Ben Askren has already raised his hand and said, I'll fight GSP. Maybe of course, they he's put... looking for a meaningful fight. He hasn't had a meaningful fight in like four years. And then, of course, uh, Rory Mack recently went to Bellator. Uh, so, you know, you start to think about the Canadian invasion of Bellator centered around GSP and Rory Mack. Uh, so there are places for him to go if, in fact, he is a free agent. And it should be noted that his lawyer is a heavy hitter. He's represented, I believe, the NBA and NFL players unions. I apologize if I'm not getting that exactly right. Uh, this all just broke a little bit ago. And uh, you would think he knows what he's doing. But as you said, we need to hear what the UFC answers back with. No comment. Yeah, and, and I'm sure that, that Rampage had some big name lawyers, too. And he still wound up getting dragged back to Bellator. Well, we'll move now to another fighter who uh, is in a contentious relationship with the UFC. And that is Joe. Jose Aldo, uh, Dana White recently commented to UFC Tonight that Jose is, quote, being a little ridiculous in all of this. I couldn't agree with him more. While, while I am pro fighters and I, I think that, you know, good for GSP for making sure he gets what he gets. Although you sign the contract and, and then on top of all of that, you, you like think that they're going to release you with like a couple of fights left. They're not going to release him with fights left. He can either retire or he can go away. I mean, those are his two choices. And it also should be noted that he said it was their job to promote me more. And, you know, some might counter devil's advocate, Jose. I respect the hell out of you. Maybe you could have learned English while you were here. Yeah, I mean, and you, you do have to promote yourself. And, and he doesn't even need to just learn English either. But there are fighters who speak largely foreign languages who do far better at promoting themselves. I mean, take a, a page out of Taruta Ishihara's book. I mean, the guy is a, a, a 2-0, 145-pound guy who's fought, you know, almost nobody's in the UFC. And people love him. His Twitter followership just blew up after a couple of fights because he got on the mic. He said, like, two words in English. Granted, they were derogatory, but he said a couple of funny things, and people loved him. Now, although it doesn't have to be funny, but, I mean, just something to get his fans excited. Uh, and then, of course, uh, when you want to talk about someone who's promoted and a big star, we, of course, have to talk about Conor McGregor. He has since teased in the past week by the pay-per-view. And stay tuned, talking about UFC 205, as he told to MMA Junkie, uh, concerning his big announcement, don't blink, it's going to be big, it's always positive, so just tune in. He said he will announce this big announcement, the one that Dana White said was going to be a left-field announcement, in the post-fight with Joe Rogan. Your thoughts? I almost guarantee, knowing that fact, that it's professional wrestling. To me, it just clearly shows that it's going to be professional wrestling, because I mean, what else could you say right after a fight? You know what I mean? That that would get people 
excited. He can't like declare his next fight right after that because what if he wanted to defend against Nate Diaz? You know, like he needs to win that fight in order to do that. And so, the the free, I agree with you because the phrasing of Dana White a left field announcement. Yeah, and that it's left field for people who haven't been paying attention to the UFC and WWE slow partnership. Very well said. Well, we'll find out at UFC uh, two hundred five. Uh, yeah, I do want to mention. You know, there's always the Mayweather rumor, and then Amir Khan uh, has also expressed interest in MMA. So maybe it's the boxer coming into the MMA world. But I agree with you. I think it's going to be something a little more offbeat, mm-hmm. like professional wrestling. Uh, Nick Diaz. Uh, he apparently, according to Dana White, he wants to fight and he's ready to go. What do you think? I- I'm thinking he was probably ready to fight a couple of months ago, and they were holding out for that GSP fight. Now GSP. Uh, kind of disappearing off the map for a while. I think now he's thinking, well, I'm not going to get the GSP fight. I got to fight somebody else first. So it's probably just about fight finding the right fight. If they don't match him with Robbie Lawler, I'll be pretty upset because that rematch is one that we all need to see. Uh, an instant classic from the early Zufa days. Uh, you know, speaking of uh, McGregor before and a star coming back, that being Ronda Rousey, Conor McGregor offered some words of encouragement and support for Ronda Rousey. He said he would tell her to shut them all up, go and stake your claim again. I wish Ronda nothing but the best. It's good to see her back. I think they did like a Bud Light commercial together earlier this year. So <laughs> I, you know, I don't know about that, but that that could be true. Yeah. An emerging friendship between UFC's uh, his and her top stars. Yeah, and and you know I I really like that a lot because uh, you know Connor usually you know making it sound so negative about other fighters that get a lot of promotion, but he recognizes Ronda as somebody who sells herself as well, if not better than he does. So uh, good for him for him to giving her props. I also saw uh, Yoani on Jacek throwing out some some support for Ronda. I mean, she gets a lot of unnecessary hate, so it's good to hear some people say some uh, some nice things about her. Yeah, it's true. We've heard nothing but hate on Ronda since the loss. I mean, she so. took a year off after her first career loss and like You'd think the world like, turned on. Yeah, you'd think she drowned a bunch of puppies or something like that. Uh, speaking of Connor, because it always comes back to Connor, right? Uh, his fine, as we reported last week, originally thought to be one hundred fifty thousand dollars. It's actually seventy five thousand dollars. And then the community service PSA they're forcing him uh, to do. Uh, your thoughts on the fine being cut in half from what was originally I, thought? I don't, all right. So here's what I will say. I think that the commission was being kind of tricky with their wording because if you look at their wording, they said he was only fined. $75,000 for throwing a water bottle. Now, was he also fined $75,000 for making a giant scene or kicking over a table or yelling cuss words at one of their press conferences? He might have been fined 1500 and he just attributed all to the water bottle and they're like, wait, 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 only half of it was the water bottle. My guess is he still owes them 1500 or uh, 1550000 Sorry about Total. that. Total. Total. But they're saying only half of it is the water bottle. Well, we will find out in the weeks to come. Connor did have a great quote since we last spoke, and that was, good luck coming to get it. Um, (laughs) Speaking of fighters uh, who are large in name and in stature, uh, but currently sitting out right now, that is John Jones. Recently, video surfaced of him participating in a NAGA, North American Grappling Association <laughs> event. He fought a, uh, a brown belt and a purple belt and beat both of them. That's and, a surprise, right? <laughs> I mean, it just looked like a lion playing with a, a little sparrow. Good to see him staying active. I mean, I guess props to him for that. And it's probably great publicity for NAGA. So, you know, 
winners all around. He gets to stay active. Naga gets a, a big name on their card. And it's also worth noting that his uh, his day in the sun uh, with the Nevada State Athletic Commission, excuse me, will come on October 31st. Never have I been more scared for a fighter who's going to go the tainted <laughs> supplement route. Uh, but that will be his defense, and we can see it all on Halloween. Yep. Uh, you know, it's also worth noting, uh, Gumby, that the Brazilian Athletic Commission is going to start using instant replay. Uh, they came to this decision with oversight from John McCarthy. When a fight ends in a foul, the referee will be able to call up instant replay. This is the first time we've seen instant replay creep into MMA, so to speak, where uh, a referee can go to the videotape live and on the spot. Could this be the first of a new trend in, in MMA, maybe to check groin shots or, or what have you? I really hope not. I like that they only added it for fight ending stuff to go back and check. So, like, if somebody gets hit with a, you know, pretends they got hit uh, with, like, a an illegal knee and are knocked out, but it was actually a legal knee, that person can now get the win uh, or, or vice versa in that situation. I think that's a good way to use it. I think when we use too much uh, instant replay, it kind of ruins things. Especially when, in a fight where when, momentum when, is momentum never is, more important. Momentum is key and, you know, break times and stuff like that. People will play that to the, the bitter end. So I hope it doesn't add more. I hate it in baseball. I don't really like it in football. So um, I hope it, it stays in its minimal capacity in Brazil. And, and maybe I would be fine with that moving to the U.S. Uh Tetsuya Kawajiri has asked for his release after going 0-2 in his last two fights. He obviously wants to fight in Japan, his home country. Yeah, he, he wants the big payday of Japan. Japan is so good about paying their local fighters more than the U.S. He's still got a big name over there. Why wouldn't he want to go back? Um, I, I just don't see the U.S. releasing him right, or you know the the UFC uh, UFC releasing him right away because there's no real reason for them to. Uh, Michael Bisping went on the Ric Flair podcast and called Brock Lesnar a pussy. He said he'd KO him and throw him out of the cage. Very angry at him for taking steroids. Bisping, always the gift for gab. What do you think? I, I think Brock Lesnar would crush Michael Bisping. Correct. <laughs> I mean, uh, you know, there, there's plenty of jokes out there about British guys not being able to wrestle. Um, there's a guy who can wrestle. Uh, yeah, I, he's good at selling himself. You got to give him that. Uh, Brian Barberina will be fighting Colby Covington at UFC Sacramento, and Alan Joban will be fighting Mike Perry at UFC 206. Two recent fight announcements that have come out. What do you think? I love both of those fight announcements. Covington and or Covington and Barberina, great grappling matchup there. Uh, Co- Covington with a really good wrestling. Um, and I really like the striking matchup of Alan Joban and Mike Perry. Perry's shown that he can knock just about anybody out with those hands. So uh, that, that'll be a fun one to watch. And actually, the intern has since corrected me. Joban Perry will also take place at UFC on Fox 22 in Sacramento. So two more uh, nice fights for that card, which, of course, is headlined by Paige Van Zant versus the Karate Hottie. Uh, we move now to World Series of Fighting. They recently canceled two shows, Gumby. Their focus is now going to shift to the New Year's Eve show at the theater at Madison Square Garden. They'll be loading it up with three title fights yeah and i i like the idea of focusing it but i've been saying this since the world series of fighting started they they've paid way too much for their stars you know like paying overpaying john fitch and overpaying yushin okami and stuff like that there's no way that their model was sustainable and i think now it's starting to crumble a little bit they're going to focus on having less shows which i I don't think is going to work for them either 
And then it's also worth noting that Forbes recently had an article come out that said the new UFC's, UFC owners, uh, William Morris Endeavors, uh, wants to bring in their own people. They want to bring in, quote, their own people. And we've recently seen that Dave Schaller, the longtime uh, marketing director, has taken a job elsewhere. And um, Joe Silva, the longtime matchmaker, is retiring at the end of the year. What do you make of this? So I, I think that this is normal. Uh, when, when two companies merge, and you know, if you know a little bit about the business world, this happens all the time. People try to get out right during the merger before they figure out that they don't actually need your job anymore and replace you with somebody who makes less and uh, you know, they're used to working with anyway. So I, I think that this is pretty normal. Those guys are leaving on their own terms, which I think is smart. And, and you know, if, if you bought a giant company for $4 billion, you'd want your guys around too, running it. Well said. I can't go against anything you just said. And this will be the last news bit uh, in the Fastest Fight News breakdown on the planet. And that is uh, we're in a UFC drought, but we were not short on exciting fights this weekend at Legacy Fighting Championship 61. Mackenzie Dern, the jiu-jitsu phenom, uh, got a sick submission, Iminari choke on Montana Stewart. She's now uh, 2-0 and is Mackenzie Dern in her MMA career. Yeah, and it was damn impressive. Her ground game was so good. Uh, the way that she worked the shoulder in setting up her rubber guard offense was just really, really impressive. For those of you who know anything about rubber guard, uh, the way that she did it to a person with a lot of submission wins on her record uh, was nothing short of amazing, exactly what you would expect from a world champ like Dern. That wraps up the fastest fight news on the planet. Uh, we ended talking about Mackenzie Dern, and it couldn't have worked out any more perfect. We got to catch up with her coach this week, John Crouch of the MMA Lab, uh, and we're always excited to catch up with John Crouch, old-school BJJ legend, Benson Henderson's head coach. Uh, I could go on and on, but I want to play you this interview. It, of course, is brought to you by New England Submission Fighting, Mine and Gumby's Home Gym, classes six days a week, no-gi submission grappling, no-gi jiu-jitsu, whatever you want want to call it is the specialty check out the website amherstmma.com and if you're in the area come on down tell them dave and gumby sent you new england submission fighting brings you our interview with mma labs head coach john crouch this is daniel gumby freeland i'm here with my co-host dave tremonte and we are talking to the head coach of the famed mma lab john crouch home of stars like ben henderson john moraga and Bar brian barbarena so um, speaking of, you know, obviously the, the people you have fighting out of your gym this past weekend at Legacy, uh, we saw a glimpse at just what's to become of uh, Mackenzie Dern as she locked in a really, really awesome submission. Uh, what, how, what are your feelings about how her transition to MMA is going? Is she going faster than you thought? Um, was this expected for you? Uh, I didn't really have any uh, preconceived notions about how she could do. You know, we just kind of are taking it step by step, but. You know, if she gets on the ground with anybody, it's going to be a hard time for them. Yeah, absolutely. And Montana Stewart, certainly not a cupcake on the ground either. You know, she has uh, four or five submission wins herself um, and, and far more MMA experience. Uh, seeing as she, she is so good on the ground, uh, is there any chance that there's anything that could hold her back? Uh, I mean, I guess injuries, you know, there's always things that can come up, but I don't really foresee anything uh, in the future. I mean, she keeps working hard, and you know, she's a world champion in her discipline. She applies those same principles to her MMA career. I think she'll be just fine. 
Now, obviously, the the premier 115 strawweight women's division is in the UFC. As her coach, you know, would you want to see her, if the UFC came calling tomorrow, is that something you say, yeah, let's absolutely go for it? Or would you rather she kind of take her time, build herself up, and gain a little more uh, experience in MMA? Well, we've had discussions with the UFC, and they're definitely interested in her, but, you know, she's only had two MMA fights, so I think it would be premature right now for both of us sure. uh, to jump into a relationship together. And we'd really like to get her to a point where she gets there and then she can contend for a title. Not, you know, there's, there's a big learning curve that's going on and Mackenzie certainly has a, you know, she has huge potential, but there's no need to necessarily rush into that. But I think, uh, you know, I, I definitely would love to see her in the UFC competing and I know she would like that and the UFC definitely would like that as well. Well, that's very exciting to see all three sides are into that. Um, let's talk a little bit about the submission move. Uh, we're huge Brazilian jiu-jitsu nerds. We're big nogi guys. Uh, I particularly love rubber guards. So watching her lock in that Imanari choke uh, this weekend was absolutely a thing of beauty. Is that something she gets often in practice or on the mats? Or is that something that she just happened to see at the moment? Uh, you know, I think uh, there's a, a little video of her doing it at World Championships. I think she did it to Michelle Nicolini or somebody. I didn't really recognize it, but it was in the gi, and she 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 finished with a collar choke in the exact same position like a year ago. Um, I haven't seen her do it in practice in Nogi, um, but she's got a great omoplata game, and uh, you know her dad's Megaton Diaz. He's a legend in this thing, so it really she's got such good instinct on the ground wherever it goes. She has she has good answers, but uh, I think she's she told me afterwards that it's one of her favorite positions. Awesome. So uh, you know, obviously we we saw her less than three months ago. So really quick turnaround for between her first and second fight. Uh, how quickly might we see her in there again? It seems like she didn't take too much damage. Yeah, we're seeing how she feels, but she definitely felt 100. percent She didn't have any bumps. She had a, a bruise on her elbow from hitting the girl's head with her elbow, which she was pretty <laughs> excited about. Um, so she was, you know, in her last fight, right as we're walking out, she asked me if it's okay to be mean and hit the girl with an elbow. So, <laughs> so she was all excited to show me the bruise this time. So anyway, I think she's good to go. So, uh, the next legacy comes up in December. We might be aiming for that, but if not, maybe another month after that. So we want to switch gears to another exciting fighter out of your gym, and that's Brian Barberina. He's fast become one of our favorite fighters on the show. We call him the prospect killer. Had the huge win over Sage Northcutt back in January, then beat Worley Alves, who was 4-0 in the UFC, uh, a BJJ master himself. Uh, you know, I want to go back. We actually interviewed you the day of the Sage fight, and, and you had actually said, you know, don't sleep on this kid. He's a very tough kid, and he obviously proved that to the world. I always wanted to follow up with you. How did it sit with you when Sage said he had strep throat? You know, kind of pulling it off or pawning it off as an excuse for the loss on the sickness. How, how did that sit with you, or did it just kind of, you know, wash off your back? I, I don't really worry about other people, what they do, you know. I would encourage my guys to own it and not say anything. If you're too sick, then don't, then we should pull out. If you're, if you're well enough to fight, then don't make any excuses when it's done. That's personally how I feel. But, you know, I'm, I'm not going to judge anybody else. They, I think it was a shock to them. They picked Ryan. Um, they went through a list of names and picked Brian off the list of names as a guy they thought they could beat, have a good fight against, and it just didn't work out for them. So 
could be a little, it was hard to swallow. I'm not sure. But, uh, yeah, I, I think the, the kid, Sage, will go on to have a good career, and I think everything will turn out fine for him. So while it's not something I'd like to see my guys do, it's not something I would judge anybody on. Absolutely, fair enough. And and that was a choke that he, I, I've heard you in other interviews, the choke that he locked in on Sage, that's something he does hit in practice, yes? Or was that kind of a first time ever for him? No, he, he squeezed that. He, he put a couple of my purple belts to sleep squeezing it like that. And I was busy yelling at him that it wasn't going to work. <laughs> so um, he has a good, he has a really weird unorthodox squeeze there. And, and, uh, and he's put people out with it. So when he had it, I, I thought he was going to, I told Benson like five seconds before I go, if Sage reaches over his head, this thing's over. And he did like right after that. So um, I, I really had a lot of confidence in him. It's kind of a, you know, me as an old-school jiu-jitsu guy, that's not exactly the way I would show it. But, you, you know, too, you have a bunch of experience. Sometimes guys have some weird squeezes and some, some pressure that you wouldn't expect in positions. And, uh, and that's one for Brian. Yeah, very cool. And, uh, you know, it's making the rounds right now on the Internet. You never know if you could trust it, but it just came out that he, Brian Barberino, will be fighting Colby Covington in Sacramento. Is that true? And if so, you know, what what do you think of that matchup? What do you like about it from Brian's perspective? Uh, I don't know if the bout agreements have been signed, but um, that's, you know, the discussions were going there. So we're planning, we're going ahead like it. it is a fight. I don't know that the papers have been signed yet. But Colby's a really tough guy, good wrestler, you know, good fighter. Um, we had kind of hoped to get a fight with Joe Ellenberger and hop up the ranks a little bit. Um, but, you know, Colby's a, a deserving guy and, and certainly a really tough fighter. So we'll prepare our best, and I, I, I think Brian will come out on top. Absolutely. I, and what a year for Brian, you know, if, if he does come out on top. Um, and then we always have to ask Benson, uh, you know, he's one and one in Bellator, uh, making the switch this year. He will fight for the title against Michael Chandler. Uh, that'll take place November 19th at Bellator 165. Anything different as far as Benson being in Bellator? You know, is it kind of business as usual when you're preparing for his fights? Maybe less media or, you know, it, 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 from the coach's side, has anything changed for you? No, not at all. That's the same. Michael Chandler is as good as anybody on the planet, and um, he's a super tough guy. So for us to uh, change our approach just simply because the name on the jersey changed is is wrong, you know. Um, I I feel like we still prepare the same way and still work and try to do our best. So I don't feel like in that respect, it, nothing has changed at all. Very, very fair enough. Fair enough. Now, I want to get your opinion. Obviously, you know, you got your black belt from Hoist Gracie. Um, anyone can go on on the Internet, check out BJJ Heroes, look up John Crouch and your history in the BJJ community. We uh, we got in a heated debate last week. Do you and we'd love to get your opinion on this. Do you follow EBI at all? Eddie Bravo Invitational? Uh, just a little bit. Um, I just recently had Ben Henderson's wife competed against Liz Carmouche, and that was the first one I ever saw. Okay. Uh, but, uh, you know, I love, you know, Gordon Ryan and uh, Eddie Cummings and all the stuff that Dan Hurst guys are doing. I'm, I'm a big fan of theirs and that that really innovative leg lock stuff. And, uh, you know, I mean, I guess Seminari's been doing it forever, but, you know, these guys have really brought it back with a vengeance and have a system that's given everybody a problem. So I've seen their tapes through EBI, but I haven't necessarily watched uh, all the events. 
Got you. And yeah, we're huge fans as well. We're huge fans of EBI. Now, the news that just came out is that they're actually going to be adding limited striking to it. Uh, open hand uh, face, like open hand palm strikes to the face are going to be allowed. Just wanted to get your opinion on that. I think what Eddie's trying to accomplish is try to keep the jujitsu a little more realistic. Um, just, you know, so guys aren't just shooting leg locks left and right, because obviously in, in a real fight, you know, that might not be as realistic. What's your take on that? I don't know if I'm breaking the news to you on that, but it was somewhat of a heated debate last week, uh, in the jiu-jitsu community. You know, the, I would say this, the, in, in any, for me, the, I started jiu-jitsu because Boyce Gracie was in a fight and there was no rules and you can, you could bite the dude, and it would only cost you money. You wouldn't get thrown out of the fight. <laughs> you would just have to pay the fine. So I, that was something I was really interested. So for me, jiu-jitsu's never been about the tournament sport aspect of it. I mean, I like it, and those guys are awesome. So it's not a negative thing, but it's not necessarily what I loved about jiu-jitsu. So for me, anything that keeps it realistic and true to kind of its nature, its original purpose, um, I really like that. Now, having said that, when you do open hand strikes, that's not real. Like, that's not a real punching motion. Um, like they, there was a, a local event called the Rage in the Cage that was here in Arizona, actually a really storied event, and it was for years and years, you know, produced a bunch of UFC fighters. Um, but they used open hand strikes, and they didn't allow punches on the ground. And it was just the dumbest looking thing that you, you've ever seen. It just, it's not a real motion when you slap somebody, you know? Like, it's, it's kind of, I mean, Hoyce has used slaps in fights, and some really good fighters have used slaps in fights. But as a consistent attack, it's not something you're ever trained to do. So while I think it, it could work, I don't know. For me, I would rather, if they're going to do that, let's just throw punches and, uh, and have real motions instead of, you know, that slapping, that arch open hand strikes that's not really a punch motion so for me it's kind of a a fourth thing but the i like the idea of keeping it realistic yeah and i couldn't agree with you more on that one so uh you know we're gonna let you go in just a second here because obviously you've got uh practice coming up uh we just wanted to ask you one more time uh if you've got anything uh coming up for the mma lab that we might have failed to mention any fighters with fights coming up in the near future that we might have missed well, you know what? Um, we're just getting. We had a, a bunch of little injuries, so most of our guys were were kind of on the sidelines. But Jake Roberts is uh, undefeated, seven and 155 pound fighter. He's going to fight on the same card as Benson. Um, Scott Holtzman is going to have an announcement here pretty soon. Fight for the UFC. Uh, Tanquino Mendez. You, you're obviously familiar with him. Uh, he's recovered from his knee injury. We're looking to fight in January. Luke Sanders, who made his debut. Uh, um, and uh, then promptly injured his knee and, and training back home, he's going to be getting back into the octagon soon. So I'm really looking forward to uh, to our guys rolling back around and getting back in the spotlight again. Absolutely, and you definitely have an awesome stable of fighters out of the lab. So, John, we cannot thank you enough for the time. Uh, we always appreciate it, always insightful. Uh, we love catching up with you. And for anyone listening, you can, of course, check out John's gym, uh, the lab at MMALab.com. Thank you so much, John, and we hope to catch up with you soon. Thank you, brother. I really appreciate you having me on. All right, Gumby, there you have it, John Crouch. Yeah, it's so knowledgeable. I just love the way that he takes like a small tidbit 
uh, just gives you a little glimpse of it so that if you're a casual MMA fan, you get the general gist of it. But then he like really breaks it down, really articulates his full point, and it just makes it so interesting to listen to him talk. I could listen to him talk for days. It was too bad he had practice. <laughs> Definitely one of our favorite interviews that we have on, and we'll have him on again perhaps after uh, Benson goes for the title against Michael Chandler in November. Um, now, that being said, we are in October, Gumby. And we are in a UFC drought. It is. It's painful. Uh, two weekends in a row. Three weekends in a it's row. It's going to be three weekends ah, in a row. And it's just getting, it's starting to get a little tough for me. And, you know, then we'll have nine fights uh, in eight weeks. So, you know, the Thanksgiving, Christmas season is going to be busy for fight fans and for... Including uh, two Friday fight cards. Two Friday fight cards and two fights on one random Saturday. Some from, one is from Brazil. That's the oh, Bader. And, and one is from Nagara. Dublin, right? Yeah, and one's from Dublin. All in the same day. Just crazy is, sauce. Is that the morning card, too? I love those morning cards. It's a double header morning cards all the time double header get baby. up have a coffee a bowl of cereal. cereal and just sit there with your fruit loops and watch them fight uh all right so we thought we would uh do a little public service announcement if you're hurting for ufc fights much like me and gumby are let's go through the annals of time and look up what are some of the best fights to ever take place in October. You could go to UFC Fight Pass if you are a member, and you should be a member. UFC Fight Pass should pass. Um, <laughs> and, uh, you can and get a free subscription if you win our Pick'em contest. Uh, there you go. How do you do that? You can go to MMA-Manifesto.com. Uh, right now, I believe they have one for Bellator 164, and you get a UFC Fight Pass subscription. So that's a little bit of irony there. But uh, <laughs> yeah, the prize is brought to you by McBride Mats, which is a mats company that's sponsors the website for our pick'em contest so you should head on over there and check that out uh all right so let's go down uh through uh the annals of time and go over some uh big ufc fights that have taken place in october i will start with one i know you have a list of like thirty thousand. Uh, yeah i can't ever narrow things but down when you bring this shit up to me <laughs> we'll go real old school on this and that's vitor belfort versus randy couture ufc 15 that was couture's win right yes yeah th- that's a that's a damn impressive fight and and for historic value they might not get any better than that although i will tell you for historic value too uh you don't want to forget uh hughes gsp1 with the arm bar happened in uh in october that was ufc 50 what else you got uh diego sanchez uh gil melendez is maybe the best slug fest in that time uh i will tell you that maybe one of my all-time favorite knockouts and it's not actually for a reason you might think but one of my favorite all-time knockouts that happened in October was uh, Carlos Condit knocked out Dan Hardy in England for UFC 120. Have you ever seen the freeze frame pictures? In the Iron Man. Of that? Yeah, Iron Man in the background. All of the British fans have this like sad face on as this punch is landing by Carlos Condit. And God bless him. Robert Downey Jr., the lone American in the front row standing with his arms triumphantly in the air going the american nuts. knocks out the british guy awesome fight awesome fight i'll give you another one which is um happened just last year october 3rd of 2015 for the light heavyweight title cormier's first title defense after beating rumble for that title after the john jones hit and run accident uh but he defended it cormier did against alexander gustafson picked up a split decision win but really uh experienced some chaos and some thunder in the third round took a big knee but was able to with stand and come out the victor very cool fight yeah and and so a lot of these are fights too you would have probably heard of uh before obviously you've probably heard of hughes pen or hughes uh gsp before Condit harding might be a little bit more under the radar uh, you've seen gus versus cormier if you're looking for some fights you you probably 
haven't seen before or may have forgot even existed on UFC on versus six. <laughs> that was the name of the event. Stefan Struve fought Pat HD Barry uh, in a heavyweight fight where Struve won by triangle. Uh, absolutely awesome fight to watch, including a power bomb by Pat Barry that doesn't get him out of a triangle choke. You could check that one out. Um, Dennis Seaver versus, uh, uh, Charles Rosa was an awesome fight. Happened in October, and if you get the chance, any Fabiano Maldonado, Fabio Maldonado fight is worth the time. And he fought Joey Beltran one time, and it was just so damn good. Uh, like all of his fights are, so check that one out. All of those October fights. Uh, so that's a pretty nice list of under the radar fights, and I'm going to go with a well known one again, and that's um, Jose Aldo. October 25th, 2014, defended his belt in Rio against Chad Mendez and picked up a unanimous decision win. But that was one badass back and forth fight. I really thought Chad was going to pull it out. Um, just an awesome fight, UFC 179. Yeah, and very timely with the Jose Aldo talk, I noticed. Mm. <laughs> Did you have any other of your 30,000 fights you want to throw uh, out? I, I I guess I could throw out there, um, you know, I really loved, while a lot of people don't like this, BJ Penn versus Nick Diaz happened in October. So uh, one-sided. Yeah, but it, I mean, it was... It was such a good Diaz clinic, and I'm not even a big Diaz Brothers fan. You know, you guys should know that about me. I'm not a big Diaz guy, but, man, he put on a clinic that night. Very fair. Well, there you go, guys. UFC drought, but you could always check out those fights on Fight Pass YouTube or whatever illegal streaming service you guys might have. <laughs> uh, this has been another episode of Top Turtle MMA. We so appreciate the listenership. Tune in, Stitcher, SoundCloud, iTunes, uh, Google Play Now. Google Play and of Now. Of course, MMAPodcast.com. Give us a like. Give us a download. Give us a listen. Give us whatever you're feeling that day. TopTurtleMMA at gmail.com is the email, accepting both love and hate mail, and TopTurtleMMA twitter i am david tremonti he is the flexible one daniel gumby vreeland and we will catch you next time